Thanks. Uh, my name's Tim. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, I know some of you, but not all of you. Uh, I'm going to talk about Tradition 7, but I'm aware uh, there are, I can see there's the Priory Chelmsford. We'll call out to Essex there. There you go. Um, so I'm guessing there might be some people there who are in their early days. Um, some faces look very cheerful, other faces look less cheerful, so I'm guessing some people are having a complicated afternoon, which I understand. So I'm not going to do, a, you know, a kind of full-blown lecture on Tradition 7. I have done Traditions and Concepts workshops with an hour on each tradition and concept, and, and you know, if you want the notes from those, you grab my number, I can, I can give you all the notes. Um, but I want to say a few things about alcoholism and AA. Um, I think sometimes in, in AA we go to so many meetings and we talk to so many people that we can get too much information and we don't know what's true and what's false and everyone says something different and how do you navigate through that. I struggled to navigate through the welter of information when I got to AA. So I'm going to try and put a few things really clearly. How I know I'm an alcoholic? Well, first of all, I had massive consequences from my drinking over the course of many years. Uh, consequences which would induce a normal person, a healthy person, to either cut it down or cut it out. And I did neither. I could neither consistently cut it down nor consistently cut it out. Um, the only two options are alcoholic or thick. I was not thick. I knew what drink was doing to me. I knew that when you drink too much, you have a horrible hangover the next day. You say things you shouldn't say to people you have no business saying them to. You get arrested. You get run over. I'd... People say, oh, I didn't know it was the drink. I did. <laughs> I knew it was the drink. I knew the money was going on alcohol. I didn't think the fairies were taking it. I knew what was going. So if I'm not alcoholic, what am I? An alcoholic is someone who, when they get massive consequences from their drinking, they don't cut it out. They don't cut down. The reason I didn't, if I could have, I, I would have. And I didn't, so I can't. Now, AA then comes in with a bit of information. It says, sunshine, once you're like that, you're always going to be like that. So you need to stay away from it completely. Uh, you better, what they said to me, is you better take this opportunity to get well because you don't know if another one will be given. If you go out again, you have no idea whether the ocean of alcoholism will wash you back up on the shore or not. So you better make sure that you never have another drink because it's, there's no such thing as a safe slip. Uh, one of my slips... I drank for a year and a half, another slip, I almost got killed. So there's no such thing as a safe slip. It's progressive, it's fatal, it's incurable. Uh, but I, I'm powerless there. That's what powerless means. Left to my own devices, I'm going to have another drink. Left to my own devices, I'm going to drink buckets and I may never ever stop. But there is a solution. Um, I tried 
all sorts of ways of staying sober outside AA. I tried all sorts of ways of staying sober inside AA, which fell short of the full package deal. The only reason I did ultimately adopt the full package deal was because I kept slipping trying everything else. So I didn't do it because I'm good or nice or obedient or any of those other virtuous things. I did it because my life clearly depended on it. And that's a pretty good motivation. Um, what is the full package deal? I, I This is just what I did in my first year. Uh, I... I went to a meeting every day. If I could go to two, I went to two. If I could go to three, I went to three. I shared it every one, much to everyone's consternation. Uh, I went for coffee, if possible. I went to meetings specifically because you could go for coffee afterwards. I needed to talk, 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 talk in my first year. Uh, my sponsor made clear that he was there to sponsor me, not to be a sort of bucket into which I emotionally vomited every little detail of my psychological day. That's necessary, but I needed a bunch of people who would return the favour. Um, I started doing the steps really, really quickly in a group where almost no one did the steps. And at the end of the year, I was the only one who was still sober out of the little cohort. So I knew it was working. Poor old sods. I mean, they were, these were good friends of mine, but nothing could, without the solution, I, I would be drunk. Uh, I got through the first nine steps in around a year. There was a massive dawdling in, in the middle, which was a disaster, um, but I didn't drink. I got through it. Um, uh, the steps, I think that the, the, the the purpose of the first 11 steps is to put me in a position in step 12 where I'm entirely focused on what I'm contributing to life, not what I'm getting out of it. When I got to AA, I was concerned almost entirely with my welfare and your conduct, specifically what you were doing for me or what you were not doing for me. That needed to flip to being concerned with my conduct and your welfare. So the solution to alcoholism I've discovered is to find a purpose being sober, which lies in step 12. Number one, have a spiritual awakening, which means rising above the battlefield. There is at the level of resentment, anger, anxiety, fear, guilt, shame, depression and despair. When I'm in any of those, I can't solve them at the level I'm at because the frame of reference is the problem. I need to be raised above that to above the battleground. And from that vantage point, all of those things, are, in my case, were solved. I came to AA super mentally ill as well. And uh, all of those things have gradually um, sorted themselves out largely once I got spiritually fit. So raised above the battlefield. And it's the, the first 11 steps did that. Um, devote my life to service within AA and outside AA. Um, keeping my mouth largely shut, um, forgiving everyone for everything and trusting God uh, in every situation, which means 
my identity resides in in being people use the phrase a child of god not my favorite phrase but you get the idea that whatever god is made of i'm made of the same thing we're spirit living in a human experience i am not my body i'm not my background i'm not my past i'm not what people did to me i'm not my career i'm not my social class whatever that is i'm not my nationality Actually, I'm technically not because my nationality has changed, but that's another question. I'm not those things. All of those things are not me. Those can be harmed. Spirit can't be harmed. So I can't be harmed. What am I frightened of? Whatever I'm frightened of, it's something that can be harmed because it's material. Death, my friend Annie tells me, is a fairly major change of address. I'm no longer frightened of death. There's nothing to be frightened of there. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know where I'm going to end up. But basically, I'm visiting here. While I'm here, as my mother would say, Puisque le bon Dieu since the good Lord put you there, you might as well make yourself useful. So my job on the planet is to make myself useful, not to make myself secure, not to make myself happy, not to do any of those things. That's a load of, that's a, that's a fool's errand. I, d I am happy, but not because I want to be. I'm happy because I don't care if I'm happy. I don't care how I feel. I care about whether my day is worthwhile. If my day is worthwhile, my life is worthwhile, then I automatically I'm happy. I didn't need to. If you, oh, I heard a great speaker, Koenga, many years ago saying, if you want it, you can't have it. If you don't care whether you have it or not, you can have it, but not on your schedule. That's my experience of recovery. If that sounds interesting to you, get a sponsor, do the steps, get one of those, get one of those sponsors that's basically kind, but is not gonna mess around. Uh, one with a sense of humor really helps. There's nothing worse than a boring sponsor. I'm, I mean, let me tell you, having been a boring sponsor to many people, it's just, it's, it's just not worth the bother. I'm going to say a few things about Tradition 7. Um, footnote on the traditions, uh, there are 12 concepts too. Not everyone knows they exist. They're AA's best kept secret. If I've got a problem internally, I need to look at the steps. If I've got a problem in a relationship with another person, I look at the traditions. If I've got a problem working together with other people to get shit done, I... I look at the concepts. I've literally not found a problem. My date of sobriety is 24th of July, 1993. I haven't found a problem in the last 28 years that has not been solved eventually by a consistent and diligent application of the steps, the traditions and the concepts. All those 36 sets of principles are sets of tools. Each It's not one principle for each. There's a set of tools for each. And there is no situation which will not yield to, 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 to the application of those. Uh, with Tradition 7, uh, my experience, I'm going to, I don't want to get theoretical. I'm going to share some practical things. When meetings are given free venues, uh, the venue tends to want something in return. Uh, the group needs to support itself through its own contributions to pay its own way. I've seen this again and again and again. If a group doesn't have to pay rent, 
Um, there's no incentive for the group to be effective enough to encourage people to go and put the money in the pot. That's why physical meetings, are, uh, there's a natural weeding out process that happens. Because if a meeting is not successful at keeping people sober and helping them thrive, no one wants to go. No one wants to put the money in the pot. Um, sometimes people go around advertising, you know, this group is struggling, that group is struggling. Now, if they want to do that, you know, it's Liberty Hall. You can do pretty much what you want in AA as long as you don't harm other groups or AA as a whole, as tradition for. But honestly, if you can't make the rent and you can't put your, your hand in your own pocket to save your own home group, let it die. Go somewhere else. Go to a group which is thriving. Learn what they're doing instead. Copy the people. Don't. So, you know, Tradition 7 says the groups don't go around with begging bowls. They sort out their own problems. And my experience as well with groups that don't work well, when the individuals have a spiritual experience through the steps, they flower, they thrive, they bloom. Everything explodes with color and energy. And everyone wants to go to those groups because there is something there which is helping the newer people get through the day and get through the week. So people come, people put the really strong groups I've, I've gone to. It's amazing. Um, usually about it's one in 10 groups in AA provide about 90 percent of the funding for the whole structure. You see that in the accounts of intergroups and regions. It's a very and those groups have nearly always, in my experience, got uh, words like this in the title. Step. Big book. Joys of recovery. A vision for you. These kind of really upbeat names. Uh, they tend to be groups. So, so it, all, it all works together. The groups which are so focused on the program, they tend to be the ones with low, they never have financial problems. The other thing is, um, I've changed my view about groups a lot in the last few last few years. Um, my view now is I like things which are, are super simple. And um, where I've seen groups work best with money is this. It's where uh, you pass around the pot, you collect what you collect, you pay your rent in advance, you pay, you go and get some any literature and immediately that week, send the money off to intergroup. Worry about next week, next week. Uh, there's nothing with the AAs will argue about anything. And I know because I am one. Uh, and the last thing an AA group needs is a reason to worry, so to, to, to argue. Um, and so to send the money off through to the structure, um, if money hadn't been given to the structure to pay for the telephone office in London in 1993, uh, when I phoned, no one would have answered. I don't know if I would have gone to AA. So I think I, as an AA member, I'm going to finish here because it's 15 minutes. Um, I, as an AA member, am responsible, along with everyone else, for making sure that I'm paying not just my group's way, but I'm paying AA's way. So I send an amount every month to my home group, and that goes into the service structure. Um, thanks for listening. I look forward to hearing what everyone else has to say. And thanks, everyone, for being here.